Welcome to GYN Corner with Dr. McDaniel, all things health-related for women. Good afternoon. This is Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner. I'm a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist in New York City, Midtown Manhattan, and I'm bringing to you all things health-related for women. Thank you for joining me here today on Facebook Live, and also if you're joining on the YouTube. Sorry, I'm trying to adjust. My lighting's a little bit weird here, so okay, sarasara, I guess. Uh, so let's see. For the last couple of days, I've been speaking about pelvic inflammatory disease, or PID. PID, or pelvic inflammatory disease, is an inflammatory, um, I want to say traumatic, uh, an inflammatory destructive process that occurs in the pelvic tissues, pelvic organs, due to an infection. Infections always mount an uh, inflammatory or cause an inflammatory reaction or an inflammatory response in the body. Uh, because infections are destructive, they microscopically destroy tissues. The body tries to heal. Its response is to try to decrease the infectious process um, with healing and laying down of scar tissue is part of healing. So PID or pelvic inflammatory pro uh, disease will ultimately resort to the bodies trying to reverse that inflammatory traumatic environment and situation by scarring and that's ultimately the problem with PID it causes microscopic and macroscopic scar tissue so scarring that we can't see and scarring that we can see now as I mentioned on the previous uh, broadcast or presentations PID is predominantly due to sexual uh, activity. So it's from a sexual infection, either chlamydia or gonorrhea, which climb into the cervix, into the uterus, and ultimately out through the fallopian tubes into the pelvis. It can also be caused by sexual activity during the menstrual cycle. So if someone's menstruating, the cervix is uh, open and it's more available for uh, infections, bacteria, and the such to get into the cervix and ultimately into the uterus and out through the tubes. This, the uterus is a sterile environment. The pelvis is a sterile environment. So any bacteria present there is um, uh, an, an egregious uh, uh, front to a sterile environment and it mounts a huge inflammatory response. Uh, so during the menstrual cycle, if someone has unprotected intercourse with the jack and push a lot of bloody bacteria into the uterus, so it's a breeding ground for um, huge colonization and mounting a severe uh, inflammatory response from the rapidly growing bacteria that will occur. Non-sexual ways to get an infection in the uterus and ultimately PID is by douching because if someone douches too close to the menstrual cycle or because they have a bad odor which means there's a lot of bacteria that's built up in the vagina same story it can push that um, high level of bacteria up into the cervix ultimately into the uterus and out into the pelvis to cause a PID and also by using medications over-the-counter or prescription Vaginal medications during the menstrual cycle 
or too close to the beginning or end of the menstrual cycle, it can do the same thing. Push bacteria up into that um, compromised cervix and into the uterus, out into the pelvis. So there are um, several ways to get bacteria into the uterus where it's not supposed to be. Once it gets into the uterus, it can become purulent, form pus, mount a huge high concentration of bacteria and flow out of the fallopian tubes into the pelvis. Now once it's in the pelvic tissues, it can also turn into a pocket of pus or an abscess. Because of the way it flows out of the fallopian tubes, it usually gets trapped between the fallopian tube and the ligament that holds the ovary. We call it a tubo-ovarian abscess. So an abscess is like a huge boil. It's full of uh, bacteria and pus and uh, it grows. So that infection flows out of the tube, it gets trapped between the tube and the ovary, and it can grow from the size of a pea, a green pea, to the size of a grapefruit, a tubovarian abscess, either on the left, the right, or both sides. Um, if someone has PID, the most common symptom is simply going to be a mild to moderate cramping, like a menstrual cramping, but the menstrual cycle is not on or the menstrual cycle just finished. And it will be um, sometimes accompanied with weird bleeding, spotting, brown smudgy staining or weird second period or not. Sometimes it'll just be bleeding with intercourse or severe cramping with intercourse, but it goes away quickly. It can escalate into cramping, abnormal bleeding, or pelvic pain with abnormal bleeding, and then a fever because it's an infection with or without chills. And <clears throat> because it's an infectious process, it's in the pelvis, the intestines are in the pelvis. So when there's inflammatory process in the pelvis, that causes uh, inflammatory fluid to be released. And that fluid in the pelvis, uh, the intestines will be in contact with that fluid It'll slow the intestines down. Once the intestines are slowed down, they're going to back up and build up with gas. That's going to cause nausea, bloating, and usually vomiting. So all of those symptoms together are classic for PID. On the exam, when we examine people, we check their temperature if they look what we would call toxic. We check their temperature, we do a pelvic exam, we'll see if there's a purulent discharge. Sometimes it backflows a bit, there's a purulent or a pus-laden or nasty discharge, and uh, the patient's very sensitive, tender with the speculum. She's abnormally uh, in pain with the speculum being placed, with the Q-tip swabs being placed for the culture. When we do the bi-manual, where we press on the belly and press inside the vagina, uh, she can sometimes we can fill that tubovarian abscess if that's present. You'll fill a mass there, it's exquisitely tender. When we touch the cervix or touch the belly, she's jumping off the table. Or sometimes, if people can tolerate pain quite well, it's just very painful and it shouldn't be painful everywhere you touch. We touch the cervix, we move the cervix, it's really, really painful. We touch the uterus, it's really, really painful. We touch everywhere in the pelvis, it's very exquisitely painful. That's not normal. The ovaries are always a little tender to pressure, but the rest of the pelvic tissues should not be in such a, a sensitive response to a normal exam. <clears throat> 
We send the cultures, and then if she's in that kind of pain, it should be presumed that she has pelvic inflammatory disease or PID, and the cultures are just obtained to confirm or to potentially give another source for the pain. If there's a suspicion that there's a collection of pus, a boil in the pelvis or the tubo ovarian abscess, TOA, then an ultrasound or a sonogram should be obtained. Even if you don't think there's a TOA, but there's just a lot of pain, it's an, un an unusual response to a normal exam, then a sonogram or an ultrasound should be obtained just to see if potentially there's a mass that's, that wasn't palpable or was missed or anything unusual going on. Sonogram is the usual source uh, to confirm or to refute that there's a cyst uh, of pus or an abscess present. If there isn't a mass, there isn't a cyst, there isn't an abscess present, it's just the exam and um, especially if there's a fever with chills or nausea vomiting, then we assume it's from chlamydia gonorrhea because the overwhelming majority of pelvic inflammatory infections are going to be due to chlamydia gonorrhea. So we treat for chlamydia gonorrhea. That's usually the one-day antibiotic, azithromycin, and then the shot um, ceftriaxone for gonorrhea patients are given both of those. If it's not entirely clear that it, it's probably just a PID or there's a lot of vaginal discharge going on, then I will usually add a third antibiotic. Or if there is um, a suspicion there's um, an abscess and she hasn't had a chance to get the sonogram yet, I'll add metronidazole or flagell to cover just general vaginal bacteria and intestinal bacteria. If the sonogram confirms there's an abscess, then she'll need the treatment for chlamydia, the treatment for gonorrhea, and she'll need an additional two, sometimes three, antibiotics for the abscess. In rare circumstances, the abscess may be compromising blood flow to the ovary, or there's an issue that she has so much pus present, it needs to be drained. Uh, then we'll give her 24 hours of IV antibiotics in the hospital, and then she'll have day surgery or laparoscopy to remove all of that pus. We try to avoid the day surgery just because she's compromised being so ill. So what we'll usually do is give the antibiotics to what we call what we like to call sterilize, to sterilize the abscess. So to clean it up with medical medication. So to medically clean it up, not surgically clean it up. And the antibiotics are usually going to be given for 21 days. And after that, a repeat sonogram is done to confirm that everything is stable. And then another sonogram is usually done at least, um, ideally, two and a half to three months later, once she's stable, pain's gone, fever, everything's back down to normal to see what the status of the abscess is. Because now it's a sterilized abscess, it's just a cyst, which is just a pocket of sterilized liquid. Now it's no longer pus. And then we do that follow-up sonogram to see if the cyst is starting to shrink because that's what should happen. Once it's sterilized, it's no longer pus. It's just clear water is what it ends up looking like. We call it serous fluid. Then it will start to shrink because it will get absorbed through the tissues of the body. Now the ramifications of PID are can be quite dire. Uh, because it can cause micro and macroscopic scarring 
it will compromise fertility because the fallopian tubes will either be microscopically scarred inside so that they don't work very well for fertility to push the egg into the uterus, uh, the fertilized egg into the uterus, or it can be macroscopically scarred where the fallopian tubes themselves are swollen, um, uh, abnormal appearance, um, and they're no longer functioning. So we call that a hydrosalpink. So the tubes are swollen, disfigured, scarred, and they usually contain that serous fluid because of the scar tissue, it traps that serous fluid in the fallopian tubes. So they're visibly non-functional. On um, a smaller level or a smaller percentage of the time, the uterus itself has scar tissue or scar bands in it because the inflammation and the infection was very severe in the uterus. It sat there in the uterus for a while. It too can become scarred. So we call those uterine adhesions. And that's from pus sitting in the uterus for a, a good amount of time, usually several days. And that's called a pyometra, where the pus was in the uterus. And then it slowly flowed out into the tubes. So if the uterus is severely scarred, it can um, compromise the menstrual cycles because the normal tissue where the menstrual cycle develops is compromised. So I'm going to end it right there on PID. That's the conclusion for PID today. And at the next presentation, I'll speak more about pyometra, uterine scarring, or what we call Asherman syndrome. And um, uh, I'll go into the signs, symptoms, and the management for that. I hope that's been helpful information on PID, or pelvic inflammatory disease. This is Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner. Please hit the like and follow and subscribe button so I can know people appreciate what's being presented. It's adding value and information to your lives. And if you have any suggestions for topics, please state those suggestions. Please leave a review on Apple iTunes if you're checking out the podcast to let others know what you enjoy about GYN Corner and that it's useful and helpful information. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their hump day. I'll be back at the next presentation on Asherman Syndrome. Thanks for watching. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Bye. Thank you for joining Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner. All things health related for women. Please subscribe and join us again soon for another episode.